The Giants have lost a lot of games this year, including three more over the weekend to the Dodgers. Mercy. And also, in addition to all these losses on the field, the Giants lost their general manager today, Scott Harris, going to the Tigers to be their president of baseball operations. What does it mean? We'll get into it next. You are Locked On Giants, your daily San Francisco Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked on Giants, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspic, and on this show, we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also simple, passionate, and accessible to all. I'm a former contributor for the baseball statistics and analysis websites Beyond the Box Score and Rotographs. I've been podcasting about the Giants since 2015, and I'm a lifelong fan. Thank you for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts. And coming up on today's show, there is a lot to talk about. Like I said, Giants taking L's on the field to the Dodgers, getting swept again. My goodness, the season series is mercifully over. Giants went 4-15 and against LA, the worst they've done against the Dodgers since moving to San Francisco. So just a crazy bad season versus the Dodgers after last year winning the season series in the regular season, and then losing in five games in the best of five NLDS. Neck and neck with LA last year. Over my shoulder, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see I've got the NL West champs banner that I had to put a not over, not NL West champs, because somehow they were able to do it last year, but this year, just no contest. But We'll get into the Dodgers series in a minute. Where I want to start is with Scott Harris leaving the Giants, their general manager who has been here less than three calendar years. He was hired in November of 2019, and he joins the Detroit Tigers, who fired their longtime GM, Al Avila, who, you know, that team has been in a perpetual rebuild for the last decade or so. A failed rebuild, you might call it. And they hire Scott Harris away from the Giants to be their president of baseball operations. So I just want to make it clear that Harris, like leaving the Giants, isn't some kind of, oh, I want to abandon ship because this is a sinking ship and let me just get out of here. What this is, is the president of baseball operations position is like the head of the the top of the food chain. It's like, think about Farhan Zaidi. He was in the in Harris's role with LA. And then the Giants were able to lure him away by offering him this president of baseball operations position. And so Harris, as the general manager, is like second in command, essentially, in the front office under Farhad Zaidi, or at least he was. And now he goes and heads the Detroit Tigers organization where he'll, he's the top, top dog, you know, he's going to be running the show there in Detroit. What's interesting is that last year, Harris declined an opportunity to interview for that same role with the Mets, I believe. It's a little confusing because they ended up hiring someone who's not in that role. They hired like a GM and now they're still searching for a president of baseball operations. But regardless, I'm pretty sure they were looking for one last year. They wanted to interview Harris and he declined. And so it made it seem like he just really wanted to stay here. But also the Mets had this history of being a very dysfunctional organization, and it might just not have been that appealing of an opportunity. Although 
now things have turned around for that team. But regardless, that, that's a Mets topic. The point is, Harris is leaving. And so, first of all, just congratulations to him. It's a huge opportunity. And he'll be looking for a general manager, which is funny because now the Giants will also be looking for a general manager to replace Harris. And so, Farhan Zaidi and Scott Harris may have competition for GM candidates. And the Giants' position is probably a more desirable one. They're in a better state as an organization, I think. I mean, the Tigers have some young talent that the Giants don't necessarily have. But the big takeaway is that the Giants will be searching for a new general manager. And I think it's an opportunity to add somebody to the organization who maybe can see things in a fresh perspective because it did seem a little bit like the way that this front office under Zaidi and Harris has been operating just it hasn't really worked out well this year obviously and there's a lot of talented people out there and there's a lot of kind of different perspectives out there and I'm not saying you have to go in a completely different direction but what I am saying is it's just an opportunity to go out there, interview some new candidates or even some of the same ones who were interviewed last time before they ultimately hired Harris. And you get some fresh perspectives. Like during the interview process, they, they'll they talk about the state of your organization and your, your minor leaguers and how they see things. And you can learn a lot. Giants said that they learned a lot through the process when they were looking for a president of baseball operations and ultimately hired Farhan Zaidi. But I do just think it's an opportunity to potentially just bring in somebody new. And I think that that could ultimately be a good thing for this organization, given where they are right now. But I don't believe at all that this is just Harris jumping ship on a sinking ship. And I I mean, he had a big part in constructing this roster. I think there's also this misconception that the GM doesn't really do anything. And like people said, when Farhan Zaidi came to the Giants, they said that Andrew Friedman, he didn't immediately go out and hire a new general manager. That means that Farhan Zaidi wasn't really doing anything and he was replaceable. Well, that's a bunch of baloney because, first of all, yes, they do a ton. They kind of just share the load. And secondly, just look at the comments that Andrew Friedman had about Farhan Zaidi when Zaidi was leaving. He was very uh, sad about it. I mean, happy for Farhan, but sad that he was losing him. And also, he just had some very glowing comments to say about him. And also think about the fact that Andrew Friedman could have hired anybody and he interviewed presumably a wide spectrum of people and he ultimately chose Farhan Zaidi. And clearly, Andrew Friedman is, I mean, it's almost inarguable. He's the top executive in Major League Baseball and Zaidi was his choice. Now Zaidi is here and Scott Harris was his choice. And as this announcement comes out, Donnie Ecker, Brian Bannister, former recent kind of pillars of the strength of this organization and current with Bannister, but Ecker, of course, leaving for the Texas Rangers. But they had they were saying it was an A-plus hire by the Detroit Tigers and that Scott Harris is one of the most impressive people they've ever worked with. So it is a blow to the Giants to lose him, but there's also a lot of quality people out there. And even though this season hasn't really gone well at all for the Giants, it's still a desirable destination for a lot of reasons, especially when you think about the fact that this offseason, they do seem primed and willing and able to go out there and make some major additions. And so that's another reason why 
conducting a search immediately. And obviously, they've known that Harris has been interviewing and probably knew in advance that he had a good chance to go to the Detroit Tigers. So I'm sure that they've been preparing for this, if not already kind of rounding up some candidates to to interview for this opening at the GM position. It is possible they could also just promote someone within the organization. I would tend to think they'd probably look to the outside, but actually I'm not entirely sure. So that's going to be an interesting story to follow, and they're going to want to have that wrapped up quickly, kind of probably before the offseason gets going, because it is such an important offseason for the San Francisco Giants. And at a certain point, teams stop being willing to let you interview their people for these jobs. And so this search is going to begin immediately if it's not something that's going to just take place within the organization. But I do think it's a good opportunity to look outside and potentially go after some new ideas, still progressive ideas, but maybe add a little bit of a mixture of perspectives here to this organization. So coming up in just a minute, we're going to turn our attention to the Dodgers and the Giants and just how L.A. dominated San Francisco this season. We'll get into some of the numbers behind it and this most recent sweep. But before we do, BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's uh, action that is underway. Hey, how about a crazy week two for the San Francisco 49ers? They lose Trey Lance. They win the game anyway. Jimmy Garoppolo is back. So head over to Bet Online and see how that has changed the odds for the San Francisco 49ers and their upcoming matchups and just the season overall. Bet Online is also your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn about the trends in action. Bet online, it's where the game starts. All right, as promised, we're going to dive into some of the numbers behind this abysmal performance by the San Francisco Giants to the LA Dodgers this season. They were just overwhelmed by the talent of the Dodgers this year. And what's crazy is that last year, as we mentioned, and even in previous seasons, the Giants had been able to hold tough against LA. And so in some ways, it's just kind of correcting for that. It's not like because they did well against them in the past, this failure to do well against them this year was a correction. What I mean is that you're not going to be tough on a team of that caliber year in and year out. Sooner or later, a team like that is going to have its way with you as they've done with the whole rest of the league. Jeff Snyder of Locked on Dodgers and I, prior to last season, looked at the numbers between the Giants and the Dodgers since the Dodgers run of excellence, which you know, let's just say starting in 2012, which was the, or 13 when they first won the division, which turned out to be eight years in a row, not last year. And then this year, of course, winning it again. The Giants and, and Dodgers had roughly a 500 record against each other for that period of time from 2013 up to 2020. And I mean, it was around 500 again last year, so it would have continued. So through 2021 and against everybody else, they had like a 650 winning percentage, just a crazy good record against everybody else. But the Giants, even through some lean years, played tough against L.A. 
that just wasn't the case this year. The Dodgers' talent just broke through and is overwhelming. So I kind of want to say something I think about a lot because every time you play the Dodgers, there's kind of reaction, especially this year. Giants went 4-15 and against LA, so just a thorough, thorough domination by, you know, the bad guys in blue. But what I want to say is that to me, we don't have to do so much comparison to LA. Like in order to be a good team and to make the playoffs, you don't have to be a team that is like better on paper than the Dodgers. It's going to be hard to get to that level. And what we're doing, and in some ways it's good because the talent of that team kind of forces you to be better. And I like that about the rivalry. And I like that about the Dodgers being so good. It kind of forces the Giants to look in the mirror and say, we need to be better. But at the same time, especially now, well, there's a case to make that actually what I'm saying is not true now as much, but it is and it isn't. What I'm trying to say is that you don't have to be talent-wise, quite on par with LA in order to make the playoffs. And I want them to be, and I hope that they strive to be, but it's also like unrealistic to say, okay, well, next year, if you're not as good as LA, you're doomed. It's not like that at all. Because three spots in the league, National League and American League, but let's just focus on the NL, three spots in the playoffs go to the division winners. Three more spots Go to non-division winners. So you could literally finish in fourth place in the division and make the playoffs, assuming the fourth place team is better than any second place team in the league. That's usually not how it's going to be. But what I'm saying is you do not have to win the division to get in. I am not giving them an excuse to just not try very hard. But what I'm saying is it's virtually impossible to go into the offseason, make some moves, and then show up next year for spring training and say, yes, we have more talent than the Dodgers. It's just not going to happen realistically. But also, we need to stop acting like that's what they have to do or or else there's doom and gloom. And also, last year, there's, <laughs> there, there's no way that on paper they matched the talent of LA and they still were able to have a magical year. And so it can happen where you're a really good team and you just have a magical year where you can outperform a team like the Dodgers. This year, not so much. But I'm just trying to say we need to ease off like comparing the Giants so much to LA at this point. Obviously, that's the goal. Obviously, that's what I want. I want them to spend all the money, make all the moves, and be as good. I absolutely want that, but it's unrealistic to expect that that to happen overnight and even in an offseason. It's disappointing that in year four of Farhan Zaidi, I would have thought that at this point they would be a team that talent-wise could kind of at least somewhat match up with LA, but that just hasn't been the case in year four. Part of it is the failure of their minor league system to, as of yet, produce impact talent. And a big story of this year, I think, as we kind of start to reflect on it, as it starts to be almost over, is think about Joey Bart, Elliot Ramos, Sean Jelly. Those were like some of the top draft picks of the previous regime and players, especially with Ramos and Bart, who were in the top 100 and for Bart, he got into the top 10 in a lot of rankings and Elliot Ramos was in the top 50 or so in a lot of rankings. And as much as Joey Bart has improved, 
We did continue to see kind of strikeout issues show up in a big way in this series against LA. He was exploited by great pitching. And as much as he's shown improvement since being called back up from the minor leagues in July, he doesn't yet look like an impact talent. I think he's looking like he could be solid, but we're not seeing like, oh, he's going to be a Buster Posey star level type player. Maybe a solid player, but there's still things to work through. And for Elliot Ramos, he got called up for this weekend series, at least the last couple games. And it just is a good reminder of this type of season that he had in AAA. He did not have a good season in AAA. Kapler said as much. He was very blunt. He said, uh, he just said it wasn't it wasn't a very good year for Elliot Ramos and that he needs to earn his way onto this roster and that he didn't do it. And the only reason he's here is because Austin Slater is hurt and they were facing some lefties. And he, his glove is providing some value, which did show up in this final game. He made some key plays that didn't ultimately end up mattering because the Giants got swept regardless on Sunday Night Baseball. But Elliot Ramos made some nice plays. Kapler said, quote, his season has not been great. And I guess that's that's the extent of the quotes I have. But just said he's the only reason he's really here right now is because of the injury to Slater. And so the failure of Bart, Ramos, Jelly, and others to, because that was like the wave of kind of the last wave of the last front office's top picks and the guys who it seemed like had the best chance well, I mean, we've got Elliot Ramos. That was an international signing, but and that was the, the previous front office. But these top draft picks, not just for the old front office, but the new one. The, these guys haven't done Hunter Bishop and Patrick Bailey. Like They haven't progressed as hoped at all. And that's a big reason why the Giants are where they are. You need some of these guys. You need to hit on some of them. And they frankly just haven't hit on like any of their prospects in a long time. In terms of position players, especially Logan Webb has made an impact and that's great, but you need more than just one guy. And LA has it every year, seemingly guys making an impact at the major league level. And that's a huge reason why the Giants haven't been able to match the Dodgers talent wise. And so they have to supplement through free agency. And that's what you have chairman Greg Johnson talking about. Literally, he's saying the the minor leagues haven't progressed as hoped and some off seasons you have to go out there and make moves in order to add talent to your team some years you're going to have prospects breaking through and being really good and it kind of puts some relief on the need to go out there and make additions through the free agent market but this is an off season when they absolutely must make significant additions in the off season otherwise they're going to be doomed next year as well so Coming up in just a minute, we're going to wrap up this discussion on the game last night. It was a really, the Giants at least showed some fight. And we're going to talk about the fight that they put up against LA, ultimately going down, but it was a good fight and it was good to see from this team. But first. All right, as promised, we're going to get into a little bit about the fight that the Giants put up against the Dodgers on Sunday Night Baseball. Challenging conditions. We had extreme winds. The very first play of the game did not bode well for the impact of the weather. It was a routine fly ball to right field. (laughs) Ramos broke back, and then he started sprinting in, and the ball fell 20 feet in front of him. So the wind immediately, strong winds, I mean, up to like 40 miles an hour, messing with the ball there. And 
not a great look for Ramos, but he redeemed himself in a big way defensively, not so much at the plate, but uh, it was nice to see the impact he made with the glove. Now, the Giants, even when they got a couple of big hits, they got hosed by this ground rule double situation. So it's not something you see very often where it gets you twice in one game. You see it many times a year, but twice in one game, Giants got hosed by hitting a ground rule double because there was a runner on first in both instances who would have easily scored from first. But the rules are, if it bounces over the fence, two bases. Everybody goes two bases. So in the second case, because it was with two outs, it may have even been a full count. I can't remember exactly. But uh, the runner was around third base by the time the ball hopped over the wall. And so it's just an absolute no-brainer that he would have scored but they don't get to score because that's the rule. And so I'm not saying the umpires did anything wrong here. It's just a matter of the rule being a little bit unfortunate at times. Sometimes you love the rule when it happens to the opposition. But in my mind, there has to be some kind of way we can address this where common sense gets applied. Like if the runner is around third base by the time that ball jumps over the wall, come on, just let him score. But there has to be some kind of clear-cut rule because if you leave it totally up to the umpires, it opens up a whole can of worms and it's honestly a problem. Like you can't really imagine the playoff game ending because an umpire says he would have scored when it's debatable. It has to be like clear that he would have scored. I don't know how you set that criteria. If you say he already has to be at third base by the time the ball bounces over, that almost never happens. From first, you have to be all the way at third. Like it happened to the Giants. He wasn't actually around third, but he was near third. So in my mind, we've got to come up with some solution there. They probably won't, but it was just really frustrating. Uh, The other thing that happened last night was that the strike zone was bad. And so, look, I can go on and on. You know my thoughts on the automated strike zone. Can't come soon enough, in my opinion. And last night, the umpire kind of hosed the Giants with a lot of calls. And look, the Giants ultimately didn't do themselves any favors. They just couldn't really... Well, I want to say they couldn't get the big hit, but they did get the big hit a couple times and then it bounced over the wall and they and took runs off the board twice. And this ended up being a one-run game, went extra innings. Uh, they gave up that phantom runner in the top of the 10th and then Thomas Zapucky comes in with the bases loaded and two outs trying to get Max Muncy, a lefty, and he walked him, fell behind 3-0. and So... On the one hand, Gabe Kapler bringing in a lefty for Muncie in that situation, I get it. But on the other hand, bringing in a young, fresh, fresh out of the bullpen, meaning he hasn't kind of established a feel for the mound and and all that, uh, in that situation is asking a lot. And you maybe could have just stuck with John Brebbia. But look, Muncie's been hot. And for all we know, Muncie hits a grand slam in, in that situation against a righty. So I get the move, but also sometimes... Bringing in a young reliever who, you know, into a bases loaded situation when you cannot walk a guy is a lot to ask. And he did walk the guy, fell behind 3-0, and like I said. And then they got out of it and the Giants put up a fight in the bottom of the 10th. And Lamont Wade Jr. came up with, uh, well, before that, actually, Jack Peterson hit a ball that, uh, according to somebody on Twitter, would have gone out except the wind pushed it back in and it would have been a walk-off home run. So it's just been that kind of season for the Giants and it's been that kind of season series against the Dodgers. It was that kind of 
three-game series against the Dodgers. So Peterson crushed that ball. It was like 104 miles an hour at the ideal launch angle, and yet it was caught. Dodgers made quite a few catches near the wall that just just not quite good enough. It's just really the story of the series, the season, the season series. Just It all kind of came to fruition last night against LA it all it was symbolic of the year and then ultimately Lamont Wade Jr late night Lamont who has not been late night Lamont this year but was last year so many times against LA included and it was like a repeat of NLDS game five you had the winning run at the plate winning run was on base in this case but still Wade represented the winning run yanked a foul homer that would have been a walk-off he did the same thing in the NLDS game five before before the Flores check swing and then he ultimately hit a ball into the into the ground on the right side and it looked to me like it might get through and win the game he had the tying run on third winning run on second and Freddie Freeman made a nice play and they got weighed at first barely and that was the game that was the series that was the season series and that's the season in a nutshell for the Giants so coming up now they go to Colorado for their penultimate road trip Colorado for four, Arizona for three, back home for Colorado and Arizona, and then at San Diego for three, and that's the season. So Colorado and Arizona, below 500 teams. Hopefully the Giants can play well against these two teams who they play a lot in the next couple of weeks here. And this is it. They have to, their season will be over after that. They're 69 and 77. I would just like to see them get to around 500, but you're really going to have to play well the rest of the way in order to get there. So we'll be back tomorrow, probably more reaction and quotes about this Scott Harris hire and what the Giants plan to do to fill the vacancy at GM. And also we'll talk about this game tonight in Colorado. So once again, my name is Ben Kaspik. Check me out on Twitter at Ben Kaspik, K-A-S-P-I-C-K. If you like this show, please consider rating it or leaving a review or hitting the thumbs up button, whatever you can do to help us out. Really appreciate it. So thanks in advance and thanks to everyone who's done so already. Can't wait to be with you again tomorrow. Thanks again for listening. You are now Locked on Giants.